Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined once again by Eb Kieslick. I really appreciate Eb joining me. Got some great feedback the last time he came on the show. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by returning guest, Eb Kieslick is on the line with me. Eb, how are you today? I'm doing great. I uh, hope uh, everything uh, was well received that I said last time and people took some interest. It's very fascinating because the Kelly Patrick Show content originally was combat sports. And so I focus on, you know, MMA fighters in Kentucky, jiu-jitsu practitioners. Sometimes I'll have wrestling coaches, things like that. But I, I delve off into doing some political episodes often, which I enjoy. Um, and then really whatever the hell else intrigues me. But the, the combat sports scene in Kentucky, the people who I would consider to be the kind of the old yard, the people who are real familiar with, uh, you know, jujitsu. And then, of course, if, you, if you're familiar with jujitsu or if you're a jujitsu black belt, you inherently you have a, a deep appreciation for judo. So of that crowd... There's a very short list of credible judo uh, practitioners or instructors in the state, and Eb, you are at the seemingly at the top of that list, as far as I know. Maybe you know, maybe there's someone out there that I don't know of. Um, but yes, it was very well received. I got some great feedback on it, and I really appreciate you coming back on for a return episode. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It was it was a lot of fun for us, uh, for me to. Uh, to to go through that uh, very rarely am I uh, you know asked interviewed to 
to go back that far, you know. Most mostly people want to know, oh, what's your, you know, like six months back or so. But uh, going back to, you know, my roots back there in Germany and um, and 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 the political side, you know, with Eastern Europe and all of that, that was pretty. It was, you know, it 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 just kind of made me think uh, about some of the things back there. It brought some, you know, pictures back into my mind. That I probably, you know, with 30, you know, I've been over here for over 30 years now, 32 years. So altogether, I've been in the United States longer than I ever lived in Germany, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's it's very easy to forget, uh, you know, not to forget completely, but it's so far back that uh, we don't we don't think about those things too much anymore. Like, you know, probably you, you won't think about things 30 or 40 years ago either, you know? Yeah. Um, what's in, intriguing from my side is my wife is from Cuba. So the two of us are always learning about, you know, we're watching movies, whether it's a documentary or, you know, some educational piece or even just a, an actual movie about something, uh, uh, related to communism. And of course, Russia and, and Berlin and, uh, uh, everything related to that, the overlap is significant between what my wife and I are intrigued with learning about versus what you, and I know you were not, as we established in the previous episode, you were not fleeing specifically for political reasons or anything like that, but you certainly have a, a experiential um, perspective on that type of conversation, which I do not have. So although the judo is very fascinating, and of course that's a large part of your livelihood. I, I thought the political, and you alluded to it a moment ago, the political angle on a lot of it and those types of conversations that we addressed or touched on at least a little bit in the first episode were, were very intriguing to me. Well, that's, that's good. It's interesting. I'm glad I could uh, keep it interesting, you know. Um, you know, for me, you know, personally, I, you know, I... Yeah, I had to learn about the history. When you live the history, when you live in in, in you know in Germany in 1960 to 1990, you know that time frame. You know a lot of things were happening. Obviously, you know um, our my parents would be able to uh, talk about you know World War II and uh, how they came out of World War II and all the you know, dramatic changes they went through uh, following World War II. But, you know, I came in 1960, things were settled. Uh, you know, Germany uh, had, uh, you know, come out of the war and, 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 you know, factories were being built and industry started to happen and, and things were, things were getting better. So I, I, I can't, you know, go back and talk about that. I was ever hungry and starving and all of that. Right. So it's not, it's not real dramatic uh, from that perspective. It's just uh, observations, general observations. And when you talk to somebody who was in Eastern Europe or East Germany, I think if you if you look at it that way, um, you know the 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 evolution, their uh, progression from post World War II to um, you know to to 1989, what we last said, you know when the wall came down, it it, it was just held in a in a stagnant state for a lot longer right so when you when i see now pictures now you know, really recent more recent pictures on facebook where people share from former ddr which is deutsche demokratische republik which which was east germany communist east germany uh, when they talk about those days they you know the pictures 
from you know 19 you know 80 or 85 they looked like you know with the pictures similar the clothes and the surroundings look more like what i saw at 1965 or 66 when i was you know a, a toddler or something like that right so uh, they were held back because of that prog pro progress was, uh, you know, economically extremely slowed down. Um, they, they, I think Eastern Europe, um, as far as their contribution in, 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 the, you know, in industry and in new developments was mostly triggered uh, by, by them not being able to make communism work. Um, you know, because heck, yeah, if you you know you, if you understand what communism is, it, it just can't exist uh, on its own. There, there's always back ways in where they are getting support, right? And and uh, you, I'm I'm sure if your wife's from Cuba, she she can you know you know uh, 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 comment on that also. But so so East Germany, because because the the connection to West Germany never broke. Uh, and, uh, you know, there were still relationships going on. It was tightly controlled, but um, West Germany outsourced the manufacturing of TV tubes, right? The, the CRTs, cathode ray tubes for television that we, you know, the, the new millennium people don't even know what the hell that is. But, you know, they, they are used to, to uh, LCDs, LEDs, right? Flat yeah. screens. TVs used to uh, be called the, watching the tube. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The tube was one, one, one slang expression for TV, right? But uh, that, those for, East, for Germany, for West Germany, and I think Western Europe, uh, were actually manufactured to a large extent in East Germany. And, and not because East Germany had a unique skill or ability and this this was just some something to establish a connection with them and there may be other examples about that it's just what came to mind uh, now i don't want to say that there were like stone age or you know cavemen type they had technology they had schools had very good schools um you know for engineering and 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 and, and science and all that and in fact a lot of their books you know like textbooks for for engineering they were extremely well done and i saw some of them in in in, in west germany and uh those are you know more step by step uh there you could see that there was more effort put into it not just one author usually a group of authors and and a review board and they, they took that very seriously their education right however it may have been controlled and biased and all that but um i i want to say those books they were very well written and they were very useful um so they you know i always like to when i look at something right um you know, obviously, we share the same opinion. Communism uh, kind of sucks, right? We, we're glad we're not living in that environment. But we also have to look at the few things, to be fair, um, would that, were there positive things about it, right? You know, it's not, nothing, nothing ever is just negative, right? Except for, like, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know? Uh, sure. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. very few. If, if there wasn't any there, positive parts, yeah, <laughs> if there wasn't any positive parts to socialism or communism, if there was no yeah. positive parts, it would not be uh, appealing to so many. It would not be sellable. 
Right, right. So, uh, and, and, you know, and uh, the way the propaganda was set up, uh, a majority of the people over there, they believed they were better off there. Right, they believe that those things, the protection, the right to work, right, the right to work. When even when you're, you know, in the 1970s, I, I want to say, you know, I'm not that good with history. 72, 72, 74, maybe. There was the big energy crisis with the with the first war in um, in uh, over in in Iraq, uh, Middle East, anyway, and um, you know. Uh, gasoline became horrendously expensive, and in in, in Germany they actually uh, uh, you know stopped uh, the traffic. They, they said, "Well, on on one weekend was it one weekend a month? Uh, you you know you weren't allowed to use your car for anything. The only the only people or the only groups that were allowed to use uh, you know motorized vehicles were uh, you know police." fire trucks and and uh, uh, ambulances right so I remember I remember going on a um, on a bicycle tour with my dad and my family and we were on the autobahn with bicycles right <laughs> which is normally prohibited it was probably still prohibited but there weren't any cars so there was nobody out there you know riding you up but uh, uh, you know, was this bad? Surely it was bad for the economy, for everything. You know, we, you didn't make any money because you couldn't go to work and, and, and all of this. But was there anything good about it? I tell you what, back then, you know, cars had lead, lead gasoline engines and uh, these chimneys and the factories, they were putting out yellow, green, black smoke. Uh, when this all stopped, Man, the air was fresh. Everybody said how fresh the air was. Did I have a real appreciation at 12 years of age? Not, not really. But I just remember that. People were saying, oh, you know, the air is fresher. Okay, good. Uh, but no doubt, if we don't burn anything, probably it'll go, it'll, the, the, the environment fixes itself, you know. But that's, those are a couple of the things I remember from back then. Um, but, you know, was it all positive or negative? It, it you know, uh, things balance out somehow in our in our minds when we look back, you know. So East East Germany, um, communist East Germany was a there was a lot of propaganda, and you know they were told they had the right to work, which means there was zero officially zero unemployment, which is you know. It's something to, to talk about, right? Is that what, what, how can that be, right? But uh, if you were extremely non-productive, you would still be in your job, right? You would, you would report every day. You would, uh, you know, I don't know if they, if they would punch the clock or anything. They just report to work and, and then they would go home and they feel like they actually did something, even if it was not productive, Right. And uh, that's 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 how that whole East Germany was set up. And people and they got pay and they got uh, they were able to afford things. And um, you know, the, the 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 real downside of this, I think people in America could never imagine this, right? Um, was that those people who wanted to get ahead, who wanted to maybe have a boat, they lived near near a, 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 a pond or a, or a lake. And they wanted to do, they wanted to have a little more, a little more excitement, a little bit more luxury. 
uh, those had one hell of a time uh, doing anything, right? So uh, a, a comparatively speaking, a person that had a media, has a mediocre job in the United States, I mean, I'm talking about, uh, I'm, I don't want to, you know, be derogatory, but let's just say a job, you didn't finish high school, you work, uh, you know, in some you know, as a helper somewhere in construction or somewhere else, he can he could afford or he can afford a whole lot more than a doctor could back then over in Europe, in, in East Germany, right? So I know about a few people that I met over the years through judo that were over there and um, and showed pictures and these doctors. So a doctor essentially made like five or 600 marks more than a than just the basic worker right and i don't know why they even paid him more right for that matter he can go anywhere anyway right i mean it was just deemed you know some you know some incentive for people to go to med school maybe i i i don't know right i can't i can't say but i i you know and and the athletes the athletes were an elite right so the athletes they could get away with anything as long as they win gold medals at the Olympics or something like that, right? That was, um, you know, I'm, you know, I talked to those guys I trained with from Poland, right? They they said we get stopped by the police because we're drunk. They would just once they know we're, um, you know, we're Olympic athletes, they just take us home and 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 just make make sure we're safe. There was never any repercussion because they got to train for the next Olympics, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they never had any issues. Another interesting story was uh, my friend Waldemar Legin, who won two Olympic gold medals from Poland. And I trained with him in, uh, before the 88 Olympics in Seoul at my club in Schweinfurt, Germany. And, and I have some video footage, but they're in, a, they're in, in VHS and they're in PAL, a, you know, PAL format. And, I, and my, uh, my multi-sync um, uh, VCR broke, so I can't actually look at it right now. I'd, I'd share it with you, there, Kelly, because that that would be maybe interesting for you. But how I run door it with that guy and 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 and, and the tenacity and our technique and our our willpower, you know, going on for hours training and with these guys. Um, but Waldemar told me that when he was a young teenager, actually he was already chosen. For Olympic development, you know, like in in elementary school, they already knew he could run faster, he could jump higher, he could. Um, he's an athlete. Okay, he had the he had the main ingredients it took to be successful. So he was already segregated out, and he was given uh, certain uh, you know incentives to go to camps to 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 get do better in and. You know, and, and, you know, this is really, I don't think it's all as simple as people saying, oh, well, they just all took steroids. It, there is a lot more to it, right? They might have, and I'm not going to say they didn't, and I'm not going to say they did. But what I'm going to tell you is the whole, the whole program that was behind these Olympic athletes, not just judo. I'm talking about swimming, you know, wrestling, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, track and field, boxing, I mean, whatever it is, right? Uh, these guys were um, really promoted and they really had uh, uh, a lot of opportunity given to them, regardless of where they lived. 
right? It's another thing. You in Germany, where I grew up, you could you could you know potentially be be in the in the running for you know Olympics and and, and getting into the it, the luxury of being being trained and all of that uh, by the by the national staff to coaching staff. If you moved to like Cologne or Munich to one of the key places where there is a lot going on, usually usually a big city, right? Berlin. Uh, this was before the wall uh, after the wall came down but um bottom line was that these these athletes um had all that when when Waldemar was about 15 or 16 and uh, a little more mature and he did he won already the junior um european ch- titles and all of that stuff he decided well now i'm not going to i i I don't want to go on with judo. It's just this is just too much work. Um, you know, you you get you get sometimes injured a little bit, and and it's just a whole lot of effort. I want to just really do something else. And uh, when that happened, uh, they said, "Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna find you uh, for your as job. We're gonna find you something in in the coal mines." So he ended up he ended up working the coal mines. And, you know, um, it's not as simple as I'm going to quit. Nothing is as simple over there as like I'm going to quit. So he worked in the coal mines and he did that. He did that uh, for uh, six or eight months. And it sucked so bad that, I, that he said, you know what? Um, I've got new energy. I, I want to try judo again. <laughs> so... Uh, it, it, it was, uh, you know, I remember the story when he, when he told me that I, I I'm just going to do judo now. Right. And, and that was kind of interesting to me, you know, so very interesting. So he, all of a sudden the, the minor know, injuries he had with judo and the, the, the hard work he put into judo didn't sound so bad when the alternative was the coal mine. Right. And I got to say, Waldemar and I, we couldn't really speak with each other. Well, he spoke better French than English because of the, you know, they trained in France a lot more. So, you know, his coach who was also there, he translated and, and, and told the story to me. So who, who I, I don't know if it's, if it's uh, accurate or, you know, accurately portrayed or whatever, but that's the story I got. But we, we were together uh, for several months training together. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there, there was a lot of uh, manipulation, I imagine, um, uh, going on. And uh, when people in this country uh, are heading, you know, towards that, you know, you you gotta you, you gotta be sensitive to that. Um, how do I put it? The more the more you give up of your individual freedom and let let a, I don't want to say, I don't want to just say government, but let someone else, let's just call it someone else, uh, ar- make arrangements for you, the more dependent you will be and the more manipulative you, uh, the whole situation becomes. In other words, you're going to um, want to change your mind and you can't change your mind. Right now, you know, in America, anybody can quit any job, anytime, anywhere, you know. And uh, he can improve himself, or he can he can just you know not work, or you know even even those uh, cases where people go on welfare for whatever reason, 
they if you want to do this you could do it you know um there that was not possible now why was it not possible well because they they tell you 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 have the right to work okay that's okay that sounds very good but that that by saying it like that means you have the right to work or not but you don't okay because if if you were not supporting the SED, uh, the, the the political party, you know, the, the the socialist political party, then they would give you a worse job and a worse job and a worse job until you change your mind and you're speaking in favor of them, right? So it's not like it's a privilege or uh, you know, yes, you know, everybody here would say, oh wow, that's great, I have a right to job. And they, they, they see themselves doing uh, some really cool work, making a lot of money. And yeah, you, you know, uh, but you can quit. You can improve. You can whatever. But there you couldn't. It was what it was. And it, it would only get worse if you declined or if you didn't play long, right? Um, and, 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 and when you're looking at the current political situation in this country and in, and in Europe, right, you're, you're seeing, um, you know, every once in a while you're seeing somebody pop up that promotes this. Uh, go want to go way back, like Bernie Sanders, for instance, right? Um, he, he calls himself a socialist Democrat, and he ran for president. And um, you know, when you when you when I when I I listen to this, I, you know, stuff I want to say to those that are listeners here that are Democrats. I want to say about Bernie Sanders. I believe he's a God honest man, right? He's probably truly believing all the things he's saying. I you know I so I don't want to say he's some idiot or he talks to me like a, a professor that has deep knowledge about the matter that he talks about. But nonetheless, it is not what I can identify with. That's not what I want. It's not where I think this, this, this country should go, even, in, even at a small scale, right? Uh, but, you know, now we're getting into really into politics rather than into the history. I just want to make a connection to over here, you know? I do think it's interesting. Uh, so, you brought up the, the idea that although you're not a fan of socialism, you just clarified that's not what you want for the country you live in. Uh, in the last episode and then also in today's episode, you were, and Thomas Sowell articulates a lot of this, in my opinion, very well. There are positives and negatives to everything. So as you said in the last episode, but you also touched on today, yeah, it controls you. It takes away your liberty. But, and I guess this is tying it a little bit back toward judo or Olympic sports amateur athletes. There are some positives to those types of situations. Correct, correct, and and um, I, you know, I I don't know in the bigger scheme of things, like when you're looking at judo as an international sport, right? Um, I want to say like Eastern Europe, Russia, um, you know, Poland. Uh, you know, uh, Bulgaria, all the Eastern Bloc countries from 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 before uh, before the, the the wall came down, uh, they they had a very you know when you looked at the medals, who won medals, uh, they they had very high medal standings, right? They always won a lot of medals, 
And I, you know, I, I think they probably uh, push the bar up, right, for all the other countries, including Japan and Germany and the United States, uh, to to put their best forward, right? And and you know, I I happen to know, um, you know, swimming has always been like the United States' strongest discipline, the Olympics, right? Is that right? Do I say this right? It's at least my my, my observation, right? With going back to Mark Spitz wanting a whole his chest full of medals and then michael phelps you know uh chest full of medals right not not a silver all gold right uh when i see this so so how are they that good and and uh, and, and russia wasn't and, and your uh, you know east germany wasn't you know they built certain facilities for for people over here uh where i don't know where that funding came from but they i know they have a pool that's uh, just a couple feet wide and a couple feet long, and and the water flows through the pool, and they can meter com- completely meter the speed, without the guy actually swimming up and down a 50 meter pool, Olympic size pool, you know, um, the, and they could they could measure his oxygen intake and his energy loss and and all of that stuff, right, and and and, and made a real um, you know I don't want to say science project, a, 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 you know, use science to a um, uh, in a whole new way, to to come up with that, and and I know that maybe I mean Eastern Europe probably didn't have that technology, that capability, right? About that, right? So, uh, so so in certain in certain disciplines, you could see the superiority of United States, Western Europe with high tech, where high tech plays a big role, right? And uh, um, you know they they could. They could always uh, beat that, uh, you know, the the the, the uh, communist approach of, of just choosing. You know, they they, they have a, an excellent selection, right? The, the selection process I already talked about of athletes. You know, you know, at at at, at the elementary school age, uh, they would be chosen. You're gonna be a track and field. You're gonna be maybe judo. You know, you go wrestling. You do this. You know, based on certain assets certain attributes that they provided right and um and 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 then you grow that and you know uh, so it's uh it's one approach to come up with top athletes you know and uh so anyway uh and and over here they they gosh i don't know how how you know there's a selection process based on on the nationals where you where you, you swim team you go into swimming and and uh you know you you go to a national event and you win and then they take a closer look at you, but there's no beyond that. I don't think there's a real, real selection process beyond your tournament success. You know? Yeah, it, it is interesting uh, comparing and contrasting the two different, I guess, government approaches to running countries, and yep. so comparing and contrasting the two different approaches to running. A country or, you know, in the USSR, maybe a collection of countries. Um, And in the United States, you said if you have a great job you like, great. You can work that. You can save up. In the example you gave, maybe you can buy a boat, enjoy the lake or the river you live close to. Um, But if you decide to quit that job here in the United States, you can stay home and just sit on the couch. You can move into a tiny, small apartment. You can eat yourself to death. You can become very fat, watch cartoons all day, do whatever you want here in the United States. So when comparing the two different 
styles, both with the selection process for athletics, but also just lifestyle. Um, there, there's certainly pros and cons. Uh, one of them being, I think we're the fattest country in the history of the world, <laughs> the United States is. I mean, we have a serious obesity problem, you know, uh, diabetes, heart disease, uh, uh, those types of things are, are rampant here in the United States. And also the selection process, I think of Yao Ming. I'm a basketball fan in Chinese, you know, communist China. I think they chose him from a very young age, like you described. They said his parents were very tall. I think his father and his mother were both very tall and they, they knew he was coordinated. So from a very young age, all he really did, I think, is my understanding, is he practiced a lot of basketball. He'd be doing a left-handed hook shot, right-handed hook shot, everything he needed to do from a very young age. So taking politics or the partisan side or the, the opinions of what's better or what's worse out of it and then comparing the lifestyles versus each other uh, um, and also the athletic selection process. I think it's a very fascinating conversation. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's exactly right. And, and one, one, one other thing that I wanted to mention, right? So, you know, we talked about the pro propaganda that, um, and you talked, uh, you know, the propaganda uh, that, that, that Russia and Eastern Europe did, and, you know, mostly to their own people. Because you couldn't, you couldn't tell, uh, you know, somebody in Western Europe that that uh, the right to work is anything good, you know, because we we would know better, right? And uh, and you know, we we had our own probably our own propaganda in school already, uh, where we where we where we were told how how bad these guys are doing over there on the other side, just sixty miles from here, maybe, you know, but um, but uh, th does the United States do propaganda? Um, you know, I, you know, it, it, they do for sure. You know, if you know, um, they do for sure, especially in in in, in these uh, areas where there are political crises. Uh, you know, Vietnam. I'm sure they. You wow. know, Eastern Europe. Uh, you know, the AFN uh, Army. Uh, you know, uh, was it Army Forces? No, no. What is it? American Forces Network? Are you familiar with that? With that a little bit? No. So, so in Germany um, and all along the East, Eastern European uh, border, um, there were radio stations, right? And they were uh, broadcasting American uh, in, 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 in American language, right? Uh, and they, they played the coolest music, right? I mean, if you liked American, American music, right? Like I... I, I listen to them all the time, you know, just because, you know, that's why I ended up over here eventually because I liked all this stuff, right? But uh, American Forces Network was a, um, you know, they, they would sometimes uh, broadcast um, from directly from the U.S., you know, during Super Bowl or uh, they would have, uh, you know, country chart countdowns and stuff like that. But that, that, what, what was really, really amazing is they played the songs all the way through, uh, songs that you, you know, you, you, you know, iTunes and, and all that stuff uh, didn't really exist at the time, right? So you, you, it was not that easy to actually listen to your favorite song. Now you can go on YouTube or, you know, and just bring a, a song up that, that you want to listen to at any given time. Right, that you didn't have that. You hell, you didn't have that before uh, uh, Steve Jobs. You didn't have that, okay? But now you do, and people nowadays they they can't even imagine how how that how how 
how that was for us. I mean, you hear a song on a radio randomly, and then you you know you go like, what the what the hell was the name of the song? I really like that, and it comes a second time, and you still didn't catch the name of the artist and the name of the song, right? And then after a, 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 another week goes by, finally catch that, and then and then you would head head to the record store and buy the single, maybe, right? Uh, which was a single means a single song, one on each side, you know. <laughs> for those that that have never heard of such a thing, right? And uh, the the you know, and uh, you know, on AFN you could listen to 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 these the best of the best all the time, right? So I listened to it, and um, and I just and and I picked up the language, you know. I already had you know pretty good language skills from from school, but I I listened to it. I understood the American language. Really got. Uh, to to liking it even better as I went along. So that's one one way they did direct propaganda. Uh, and and you know you bet you that these people on east on the on the uh, you know on the other side of the border in Eastern Europe they listened to that stuff right, and uh, and recorded it probably illegally. And then and then there was a black market where they would uh, you know sell a a recorded hour of of radio uh, to somebody that could that wasn't within range to receive it, right? I mean, that's kind of I think what was going on. Uh, that I heard about, I read about that a long time ago. Uh, bottom line, um, that was one way they did propaganda. But another way, much much, um, you know, I mean, uh, more influential, in my opinion, was is, is is Hollywood, right? And you were talking about you know Americans are obese they, they, and, or, or overweight. Uh, you know, before I came over here, you know, the people that I, my idols were like Lex Barker. Do you even know that guy anymore? I do not. Lex Barker, I'll look him up. He was the Tarzan. Oh, okay. I am familiar now. Okay. So very so, uh, physically in fit, uh, in shape guy. Absolutely. Lex Barker was one of my favorite actors back then. And, uh, and he also played in a number of Westerns and stuff, but uh, he was extremely fit, you know, chiseled face. I mean, he was, I think it was a, a swimmer, a swimmer also, but, you know, coincidentally, but um, Olympics level swimmer, maybe if maybe I read that, but he was a, um, uh, the, everybody in Europe believed that's what Americans look like. Okay. <laughs> and, and maybe back then they did, I don't know, but, um, in, you know, going, going further into the future, these Western movies and also, you know, soap operas and stuff like that that I don't watch now anymore uh, at all because I don't have time out here. But um, uh, the Germans eat that stuff up, and, um, and 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 not just the Germans. I think I think that's just one example. I mean, I think it's all over Europe. Uh, Hollywood movies are a uh, they have their purpose. Um, with with other countries, <laughs> I, I'm sure they you know people watch them here too. But I I tell you what, there there are more westerns watched in Europe than they are watched over here. Even reruns from 1960, Bonanza, right? Uh, I love Bonanza. I still I still watch it. I still watch it. I I still think it has meaning in the world today. Just think about that. It started in 1956 before I was born. And, and, and you could still, if you go to certain challenge channels on uh, Roku channel and stuff, you could still call, call them up and, 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 and watch that, right? 
Uh, you know, another thing that I really watched, uh, like to watch is I Dream of Genie, right? I don't know if you ever watched that show. I, I, I have, I just yeah. Think it, very old, I, but I've seen it years ago I, on like Nick at Night I, or something. Yeah, I mean, that stuff. And, you know, they're, they're never in any, none of these shows that they're, they're, there's out of shape, uh, you know, the bad side of America show. And it's always, always the good side. And, and people want to live like that, you know? They want to have a, a life like in, in, in Hollywood, right? <laughs> it's a, a very interesting topic. You mentioned the certain movies stick in other countries more so than they do here. My wife, Yanni, her father still lives in Cuba. But Yanni grew uh-huh. up knowing that her father, his favorite movies were always Steven Seagal movies. He was just the uh-huh. most he was the most badass man alive and he's of course an right. American and we don't a lot of people don't really take him quite as serious here in the United States but supposedly in Cuba on I think the black market or however he was watching these films he was right. he was it he was the coolest guy right and you know uh, uh Kelly I want to uh, tell you about um the glamorization, because we're we're talking about martial arts here, right? Uh, judo, jujitsu, and 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 all the other martial arts a little bit, right? Um, the glamorization of of all the punching arts, uh, kung fu, Bruce Lee, right? Chuck Norris, uh, Van Damme, uh, you name them, right? There's a bunch of those, and then you know there are a lot of Asian uh, actors that that also did that, that glamorization was what um, really um, completely distorted the, the, the picture of what arts are really practical and, and, and uh, 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 you know, what really works. And I won't say works, um, you know, uh, what status they would have for, for a modern society, right? Um, you know, obviously most people now realize that sword fighting is not anything that is very practical when you're, uh, when you're, uh, like riding a subway train, you know, uh, every day. Right. Uh, so, so it's, it's, it's not practical. Nunchucks were outlawed, I think. Uh, and, and, and would you, would you pack those around with you? Right. You know, so some of the things that, uh, that that are shown in the movies, uh, it's just it's just not not feasible to uh, to our times. But you know, I I I gotta tell you, I was a fan. I, even though I did judo, I started judo before I watched my first Bruce Lee movie, and I and I was still a fan of of Bruce Lee and and Chuck Norris both. You know, I walked watched his show with uh, uh later on he did uh what was it uh, walker texas ranger i watched that for a good while I, I don't watch it now anymore but um you know these shows you know and 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 what hollywood did with the punching arts uh is why the graces came and wanted to uh set things straight right <laughs> um in you know, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to. Uh, I would say, make this a point of our of our of, of this podcast. But back then, when when uh, when uh, the martial arts became very popular, I was maybe in my early twenties. I was already competing. I was already a black belt. There were always people from you know from other arts like karate, uh, taekwondo. That would wanna uh, not sort of not challenge me. No, not nothing like the dojo 
rates with the Gracies, but they would like want to see, you know, I, I bet you I can, I could kick him to the head before he would get a hand on me, right? And 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 I engaged in a couple of those more on a friendly on a friendly note, right? And they they said, look, if I hit you on the head really hard, um, you know, it's gonna hurt, right? It's not gonna kill you, but uh, and and you know, in my own experience. I threw these guys on their back and they didn't know how to break fall. They, 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 they landed flat on their back and they're coughing and, and gap, gasping for air. And, and, and that, that's it. It's over, right? I, no arm locks, no chokes, no nothing. And no, no audience. Right. But I could probably pull some of those guys out and we can talk to them right from Germany. Right. They're still there. They're still friends with me. And they, you know, in some cases they ended up, coming to judo class after that okay remember there was no bjj or jiu-jitsu only as a only named as a uh you know what judo as the origin of judo but not as a as a as a martial art next to judo like it is now right so uh just to give you that so i knew all along that what i was doing was effective right um even with the striking so I, I couldn't believe it. In, in my hometown, there was the judo club. We had probably about 150 members, which was substantial. But the, the karate school, they had four to 600 members. They were traveling all around. When you go there, they were all punching in the air, woof, 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 for an hour and a half and kicking a roundhouse in the, in the air and rarely sparred with each other. Because you can't very easily get, you know, get usually injured, and that's that's what they they they, they the mentality, right, was that that is that is better than than anything else, okay. So you could see how you can through manipulation, by movies, uh, whatever, you know, glamorification in in Hollywood movies, uh, that whole thing came about. Uh, that people thought, you know, uh, you gotta, you, you gotta punch and kick. You gotta learn all this, or or else you you can't fight. You know, very fascinating. And, and, yeah, that's a very fascinating topic to me. I, and you experienced it firsthand, even prior to Hoist Gracie and everyone kind of storming the United States. Right, and and um, what what you couldn't tell any of them, right? What you couldn't tell any of them, because I trained also with wrestlers. And, you know, have the highest respect for those guys, especially, I mean, Olympic level wrestlers are, you know, in their physique and in their ability, they're at a different level. I mean, it's like almost you know, inhuman, right? It's, it's they're, they're, they're unbelievable, right? Western boxers like Muhammad Ali, right? Uh, Mike Tyson, all of those guys. If you're, if you're talking about these arts, which are, you know, yeah, more restrictive. And yeah, you, you know, you, you, you can nitpick through them. You can say, okay, boxing doesn't work because you, they don't know how to grapple. Okay. Or the wrestler doesn't know how to punch. The judoka doesn't know how to punch. You could, you could say all this, but the reason these arts, arts exist is because they had some merit from a combative sense, right? Uh, and that's, you know, yeah, they evolved into you know stricter rules and all this, but uh, all three of them, those are the three to me, to me, the three core 
uh, uh, arts is, is judo, which, which evolved from Asia, wrestling, which predates judo and evolves from somewhere, you know, in, 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 in Greek, uh, uh, in Greece, uh, ancient Greece, and maybe even other places. And then you have boxing, which evolved through, you know, Europe and then America, where, you know, became like, you know, the pro, uh, the pro boxing that we have nowadays, right? To me, those are the three, you know, no shit, this is, this is what really, you know, if you, if you just think about it, you know, jujitsu and all great and all the arm locks, leg locks and all this, and the flow and all that's all fine. And I practice it too. But just just think about it. If you had, if you lived somewhere where you had a boxing gym down the street, you had a wrestling gym down the street, and you had a judo a dojo down the street, and all of them were at like Olympic type level, and you trained there, right? You'd be unbelievably fit, even if you didn't ever go to the Olympics. You would you would be, you know, almost. You could almost not be defeated. It doesn't matter if if the other guy knows a jujigatama. Oh, well, in judo, you know jujigatama, but uh, leg lock, right? From from from, uh, you know, sambo maybe, right? You you know, fair chance you might, you know, somebody might leg lock you. Okay, big deal. How often does that happen, right? Uh, in a street fight or something like this. But you know, so so that's that's kind of my my picture of it. I never considered the Asian punching arts like karate, taekwondo, kung fu, even though I was a fan of Chuck Norris, right? I never considered them completely legit. And then, then I, might, I might offend some people with that. So don't want to talk too much about that. But, but I believe that got, they got way too much propaganda, promotion through Hollywood. Wow. So you're tying it back to the... Uh different different incarnations of propaganda whether <laughs> whether politically or through combat sports combat sports no different yeah make believe and and you know that's why the gracies had to come as 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 the the the, the people with the truth right <laughs> that, that had to go and 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 set the the the, the record straight and um you know and the, the you know when you you know back in the 90s when that first happened i was already in the united states Right. The interesting part was that uh, all the all the, you know, Internet wasn't as evolved, but I read about it in magazines like the Black Belt magazine and all this. And and uh, the, when they were interviewed, like Hickson and, 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 and uh, Hoist Gracie, when they were interviewed about it, they would they would they would say we couldn't believe it. We're in Brazil. We 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 we, we hear people, you know, we see in America there, they're, you know, they're they're. They're watching movies where the guy kicks another guy from the top of a roof, you know, flying through the air, you know, and, 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 and everybody now goes to these gyms and trains the stuff. Right. And, and we, we know that stuff doesn't work, <laughs> you know, or at least not very well. Does it have its place? Yeah, probably, you know, back, back, tied back to the, uh, the ancient arts, maybe to a certain extent, but, you know, they came and, and, and proved that that stuff, that you can't just knock somebody out, even if it's a pure grappler like Hoist Gracie. He did some basic striking, probably like what I can. He, didn't, he was not really spending 
uh, hours and hours kickboxing and, and doing all that stuff. He just used basic striking skills, what we call in judo atemiwaza, right? And, and uh, in, in, in fact, you know, another thing that I wanted to mention, uh, Gally, is I, I think that those things that the Gracies showed, it, it, it's kind of, um, uh, you know, what Elio Gracie showed as far as self-defense, um, the attack, you know, the, the use of, uh, of wrist locks and, and, and uh, against the guy that's behind you or attacks you around the neck or grabs your wrist. That's actually judo, right? So, so you know, people talking about jiu-jitsu, uh, that, stuff, that stuff is actually judo. And, you know, uh, maybe they don't know, right? I don't know because now judo is more Olympic sport-oriented. And and rarely, rarely it's 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 shown anymore. But there are police dojos in 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 Germany that still practice that stuff. And and, and they they go like they wonder why why is this called jujitsu? This is this is what we're doing here too, you know. And uh, uh, we've always done it. And um, so so that's where uh, you know some of these you know issues come about. Uh, at the same time, you know, the Gracies, as they won the UFC, they also used propaganda, right, to promote their art. And um, do I blame them for it? No, they live only once and they need to make some money. And they're now, they now got to do it, right? This is their chance to shine and their way to, to do it, you know. And um, But... Um, so yeah, everybody does it. Does the do we do propaganda? You know, uh, with with like the grand slams. Yeah, everything is like that. Uh, you know, I, I don't. You know, the word propaganda has a, a a negative connotation to it. You know, from stemming from politics in Eastern Europe, maybe. But uh, <laughs> maybe maybe the word promotion is better, right? So everybody wants to promote their art. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with it. That's what I want to say about that. But everybody's doing it. I do it. If I talk to somebody about judo, I tell them how great it is, period. Right? And that's, that's just what I do. I, I have always made, you know, this, this is what, what I want people to know that listen to this. I have always made a real effort, a real effort to never put any other martial arts down. Regardless, right? I may have talked a little bit derogatory about the punching arts, but I would never go back to say so- to somebody that's actually a, a black belt, or even even if he's a yellow belt in, in karate or taekwondo, I would never say what you're doing is crap. Come to judo to learn the real deal. I would never put it in those terms. I would always tell them, give it a try, see what you think. Uh, look at the benefits and, and make the decision. And I also never wanted to talk anybody out of training BJJ, right? Um, never, never would do it or MMA for that matter. Uh, if you want to do this, go ahead and do it. You know, you come to talk to me, so I will, I will talk to you about what I can do, but I'm not going to talk about what others are doing because for one, it would be slanderous. I, I guess most people, if you talk about some, if I cover, say I cover what a dojo or a BJJ club in Louisville is doing that I don't even know and I don't train there or I've been there once, 
that would be whatever I say would wouldn't be accurate. It would it would I would leave important things out, and I would maybe make I would maybe make things that are not very very reputable. I would make them point them out, and the whole thing would be you know what what's called a shit show, right? It would be it, it's not what I want to be involved in. Oh, there is something called integrity. Um, and I and 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 I try I, I try my hardest uh, to be a, uh, a you know uh, a, a good a good person a good uh, a contributor in society. So um, I, anybody training any art, it would be is always better than not. Okay, so. I love it, Eb. I really appreciate you joining me for the episode. I did get some great feedback the last time you came on, and I know that the topics we covered today almost seem to be like kind of random. We went in a couple different directions, but I think that's great because, you know, you are, what, 62 years old, 61? I'm six. I, I, I just turned since, since we last talked. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I turned sixty-two. Okay. So happy people, belated people, birthday. Uh, I, I I did not I did not lie about it last time or, or this time, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, since then, I had my birthday, so I'm sixty-two now. Um, you know, how does that make me feel? Not very uh, excited about it, right? <laughs> sorry to continually bring I, I, that I, up. I'm I, sorry. I, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I uh, I run Dory. I I train. I roll what you call in jiu-jitsu for the jiu-jitsu crowd, the BJJ folks. I'd still roll. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to, I, I tell you the truth, I wouldn't want to roll with, what's this guy's name? Uh, Kali, the, 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 the best now uh, out Gordon there. Gordon Ryan. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to roll with him now, okay? <laughs> I, I, you know, but although I heard he rolled with a Hoist Gracie and was very respectful and played along. If he, if he rolls with me like that, yes. But if he does all he can, very fast and explosive, then I'm not interested at this time. Okay. Sure. <laughs> but um, no, it's 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 great. Hey, want to mention one more thing, sure. right? So during all this time, right, that I you know started judo at a young age, I you know my wife Monica has supported me dearly, and I I I didn't mention all this in my family, but uh, it is it is a it is the backbone of everything uh, I've done. Uh, both, um, you know, professionally and also in, in, in my judo career, right? And my wife, Monica, started judo a few years after me. And she's also, partic- uh, you know, stuck with it. She never competed, but she's a black belt. And she's, um, she's, she runs our dojo now, right, in, in Brandenburg, together with my son and my, my daughter-in-law. They, they're running the, do, the dojo for the junior program. And, and, uh, and, and Monica takes care of all of the, you know, everything else. I mean, and uh, she enabled me to, to, when I was still competing at a high level. Um, she, she, she supported that. She, she enabled me to travel to places, um, you know, to train into camps and so forth. Uh, and I can't um, thank her enough about it. I, I, I don't think this, you know, it's, it's often overlooked. Uh, and, and, and she made me aware of it when she listened to your podcast, right? You know, she goes like, you know, I did something there too, you know. You didn't mention me. Okay. Uh, bottom line is it's the truth. Uh, she, it is, it is noteworthy and, and, and you can, you know, I, I sometimes listen to, or read some of your 
Facebook posts, and it's usually very hilarious, right? Um, but there's people in there, or there's there's posts that others put down about how much trouble they have uh, going to BJJ class because their girlfriend doesn't approve, right? Mm. You know, and yeah, and, yeah. and their girlfriend their girlfriend wants them to do, go to dinner or meet their meet their uh, friends or do something other because they don't understand it. They don't they don't like it, and I've not once had that. In all these years, right? Uh, if I decided next month I want to go to a big, I want to go to a big judo event in an, on another continent, be it Japan or Europe or or South America, whatever it would be, they, she would approve approve of it, and I could go there, right? Whether it's a tournament, she doesn't want me to compete, but she would approve it. She wow. would say, "Okay, if you if you're ready, go go ahead and do it." Right? And 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 I think most people that that are going somewhere in either their profession or their art, uh, they they gotta have that support. So if 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 if, if you have a teenage not a teenager, if you have a lot, young adult that's struggling with that, that have a girlfriend that doesn't want to go to BJJ and they miss here and there, and they say, you know, I had to go. Uh, to to my my girlfriend's or my fiance's, um, you know, family reunion or whatever, then you know that's a non-starter, right? That he's not he's not gonna make it past blue belt, guarantee it, because if he lets that prevail, now he may he may break up and, and go a different route. But uh, if if you have somebody constantly nagging on you for for doing what you want to do, what you like to do, I can only tell you. Stop. You know, either stop training right then and do something that y'all can do together if it's if that's if it's worth that to you, or just stop the relationship and find somebody that's uh, that 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 supports you more. You know, and you know probably that'll that this this little little uh, extra uh, comment here towards the end will probably help a lot of people. Uh, going forward, instead of struggling for years and years and years and making all kinds of plans and arrangements, okay, on you know I hear this all the time. On Monday nights we got to do what my wife wants. On Tuesday nights I could do what I want. You know, no, 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 no. It's not going to work. Not in the long run. I I think that those arrangements are not gonna gonna work really well. You have a you know when you're doing a martial art, it's not a hobby, okay. It, it, it's it's a way of life. It's it's it shapes your personality, your character, and all of this. She she I say she, but there's a lot of great uh, uh, martial artists that are female. He if he's a he, right? So I don't want to say it's just my case. If if your if your spouse, your fiance, um, are opposed to it or want to make special arrangements about it they they don't consider that this whole thing will actually change you also okay it, it you you will after four years of bjj or judo you will not be the same person you will have a stronger character it's a character building uh, art it's not like we're going um to ballroom dancing or you know or something like that right which i don't want to I don't want to be derogatory, but the martial art has a different standard, a different, a different. Um, I'm going to say stand, standard is not the right word. It has uh, different attributes to it, 
additional, it's not just a sport. It's not just a Monday night or Tuesday night thing to do. It's, it's, it's all the way. It's, it's, it's everything. Even if you, even if you, when I was a, when I was really into into the judo art and trained and, and all this, I went to work. I could concentrate to work and, and do my job well. Okay. But, but it, everything was about excelling in my sport. Right. Uh, so it, it's not like a, oh, hey, we can do this tonight and tomorrow night we do this and plan the week out like that. You're not going to go very far. That's, that's just um, maybe my final comment today. I love it. I, I think that's great insight. And before we wrap things up, how many years have you been married? I've, you know, that's a tough question. Put you on the, <laughs> but you I've on the been, spot. Yeah, it put me on the spot. It, it was 37 years wow. I've been married. Okay, that is beautiful. Yeah, but it's not a tough question. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's actually pretty easy. But uh, I wanted to uh, not just say it out like like anybody says it. You know, I had to just really think about if I want to say it like this. But yeah, it was it it, it was thirty seven very good years, um, and um, you know, of of mutual very good mutual support. My wife uh, is a nurse. Uh, she still works. Um, she works currently at Harrison County Hospital. Uh, in the senior care program, she manages that program. And before that, she actually worked in Louisville at the University Hospital in the MICU, and saved numerous lives there. That I'm, you know, that I know for sure. You know, and in the MICU, and and uh, it was uh, a very stressful job, but she was there for 19 years. Beautiful. Yeah. So well, Eb, I really yeah. appreciate you joining me. I love the conclusion to the episode like i said i got some great feedback from the first time i had you on as far as i'm concerned i'll shoot you a message and we'll schedule another one for uh, maybe a couple months from now and if if you're able maybe continue to do this on occasion i appreciate you coming on thank you uh you know i i i am very excited about about this i i enjoyed your our conversation i um i thought it's it, it might interest some people, maybe not, not everybody, you know, uh, about people coming from a different continent and a different culture, uh, you know, but I, you know, I, I talk about this stuff uh, freely and, 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 and give you what, what I know, what I, you know, learned and, and so forth, draw some comparisons, point out some obvious things that people don't find obvious because they, they grew up here. Um, I, you know, I, I'm very uh, glad for that. I, I, I would like to uh, maybe talk a little more about the art of judo, the techniques of judo, as it, you know, in, in maybe our next podcast, how does, why does, why do you in judo do this? And how long do you do this? And, and, and why do you think judo is, is so good, right? Um, I wanna, wanted to see, maybe, maybe there's interest in, in those aspects, you know. Um, as it maybe pertains to the other followers you have from BJJ and MMA and so forth, right? So, sure. all right. Thank you very much, Eb. We have a little tease for the next episode, so that's what we will jump into next time. Eb, have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Kelly. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, enjoyed it and uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon. 